Sanderson Reading and Rereading Podcast. As always, I'm Justin, and I am joined by... Beth, presently. Avalanche Sam. And I'm Caleb, and... Oh, oh dear. <laughs> this is a uh, this is another uh, peak performance episode today. <laughs> We're all doing really well. And this time I can't even blame Mark. I can blame all the rest of my family instead. <laughs> There's a Mark in there. We can blame him. Everyone except Mark, though. <laughs> yeah, you get a rare, rare quadruple delirium because Sam normally wakes yeah. up at a normal hour and is fine. And I blame Moderna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, get 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 boosted. Yeah. 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 Go. Uh, go get stabbed. Get uh, your boosters up to date. Uh, and we're here because the show must go on. The book certainly is going on. Uh, and we are going to get into part two, which we very briefly started last episode with our first chapter. Uh, and we will be covering three more chapters of uh, 13, 14, and 15 uh, in today's episode. Woo! Hell yeah. It certainly does keep going. We start with some action. Right. It would it would have been really funny if the book didn't keep going and at one point you just turn the page and there's just 50 blank pages. <laughs> yeah, we left off uh on the the verge of some action and so we do get to conclude that action scene here uh, and then we're going to check in with Kaladin uh where things are going slightly better than they are when we normally check in with Kaladin to be honest. <laughs> Which uh, makes and me then worried. We we see some more of the uh, uh, the Alethi nobility, uh, and Sam, for one, is not impressed. No, I hate them. <laughs> I hate them all. Yeah, let's uh, let's see what we have going on here. Uh, we start on chapter thirteen, ten heartbeats. Uh, we again have to check in with our epigraph, which is a, a continuation of the missive that was started in the last one uh says i realize that you are probably still angry that is pleasant to know much as your perpetual health i have come to rely upon your dissatisfaction with me it is one of the cosmere's great constants i should think he said the word he, he said, said i the should word. think yeah and he also said i yeah I, I noted i should think which is not quite i think but it definitely gives the vibes uh was that the the word that you were referring to caleb or was it in fact the word cosmere I, the thing, the word I was wording about the word was Cosmere, because that's the first time I I fully did not expect to actually read that word in the thing. Like, yeah, no one in the MCU turns to it and says, "Wow, we really are taking part in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, aren't we?" <laughs> this sure is a cinematic universe we're involved in here. Actually, does the Watcher? I don't think the Watcher does say it in What If, but they could. Was, he could have. I was just thinking, if anyone's going to, it's going to be in What If. Roll back the tapes. <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> but yeah, here, this person uh, writing this this letter uh, knows what the Cosmere is. So that's interesting. Uh, and we don't have much time to, to dwell on that because as we left Chapter 12, uh, there was an imminent attack from a Chasm Fiend. Uh, and as we begin Chapter 13... There is an even more imminent attack from a chasm fiend. <laughs> Crayfish battle. There, there is in fact a giant enemy crab 
and yes. Dalinar is going to go attack its weak point for massive damage. <laughs> True to form. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into the uh, the details of it, but I think right off the top we can say this is a cool battle scene. Hey, Shardblade's really cool. Shardblade, also really cool. Yeah, I'm glad Brandon found an excuse for the fucking buster swords and power armor because this is dope. <laughs> I'm, I am actually a bit, I always was interpreting it literally, but I'm relieved to find out that it's not just a turn of phrase of 10 heartbeats uh, that it takes to summon your sword. The detail of if your heart is beating faster, you can get your sword faster is just a really cool mm-hmm. thing. That's just really cool mm-hmm. to think about. Sometimes it pays to have anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah, I can't imagine... If I was ever worried about anything, I'd be like, what if I need my blade soon? And then I would, like, my heart would want to beat faster, which would just make the anxiety worse. Wait, but now I'm ready for my blade. That must mean that it would be a good idea to have my blade, right? I should draw my blade. My body is telling me I need my blade right now. I can't. I can't. We have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and as this chapter begins, uh, 10 heartbeats, especially in an intense situation where your heart is racing does not sound like a lot of time, and yet Dalnar points out that if you need it right now, it can feel like a very long time. Because the uh, the Chasm Fiend has arrived uh, quite a bit closer and quite a bit sooner than they expected, uh, and so uh, the, the hunting party and uh, Elokar in particular are in imminent danger. Although Elokar in particular is in imminent danger because he is charging into battle. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy Jenkins <laughs> in its truest form yeah I think on the list of uh, Alethi nobility that are not making a good impression uh, Elokar is definitely on there I mean I kind of get his motivation you, you don't want to look like a coward in front of your sure. people that whole thing but my god man <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's kind of a, a results oriented view where uh, it doesn't go well, and therefore it looks like it was a bad idea. And the Chasm Fiend, it's important to note, has horse-sized claws. Is that uh, important to note just because it makes them sound gigantic, or because they're being compared to a horse, and therefore we we get our uh, animal check? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> they were riding horses last I, chapter. <laughs> do you think we did know that one? <laughs> but not just horses. Crab horses. They also have horse horses. Oh. Well, that's boring. I, I like crab horses. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, I love... I it, it, The beginning of this chapter is so cinematic with, like, narration happening between just the count of the beats of Dalinar's hearts. I... Heart. He just has one. Um, I'm doing well. Know. Dalinar secretly a time lord um I just am am picturing the adaptation of this where like all the sound kind of it it starts sounding like it's underwater except for just the like of the heartbeat and everything's kind of weird slow-mo it's very cool yeah so yeah uh the the three uh full shard bearers that we had here uh Elokar and then uh Dalinar and Adolin are going to uh charge themselves into battle uh the 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 beginning of the plan at least 
uh, is to try to uh, try to go for the legs. Uh, it has fourteen of the these kind of crab legs, and if they can if they can get enough of them uh, injured or destroyed, then it will not be able to move. So it is quite boss battle-y, but it's cool. It's also like in like a video game boss battle, you could like knock out the legs, attack the weak point, and then it would like regenerate its legs and get back up. But considering these are like nobility who are in it for the 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 nobleness of the hunt, it does still feel a little weird to be like completely incapacitated so that it literally can't do anything to run away, and then we'll go in for the kill. Right. Which is similar to their initial plan. I kind of, part of me does, at least, there's a little bit of, karma's not the right word because they're still killing it, but the arrogance of like, everyone else will do the hard work as archers and then you guys can go in and say you got the kill. At least they have to put in some work because the plan went awry. (laughs) There's also some lovely characterization embedded in here of, Dalinar is trying to to make this plan that sort of keeps Elicar safe. He and Adeline are going to go for it. Adeline's just like, yep, okay, I'll take left. And Dalinar just nods and they immediately go to. And then we just keep jump cutting to Elicar, simply not doing <laughs> what Dalinar said to do. Uh, so you're starting to get a real sense of the dynamics here between all of these Colin family folks. Yeah, I have that almost exactly in my notes of... The three things we get a good feeling about is Dalinar smart and tactical, Dalinar and Adeline work well together, and Elicar is reckless to the point of endangering himself. <laughs> and to give Elicar a little credit, things don't really go wrong for him until there is an actual like unforeseen accident. But or he... incident. Well, <gasps> we can we can start to talk about that, uh, but. But also, perhaps he should not be in a place where, if he falls off his horse, he is in imminent danger of being crabbed. <laughs> you gotta watch out for getting crabbed. Today's verb of the day, crabbed. Crab. But uh, on a non-crab note, um, the uh, yeah, what happens is, as Alucard is trying to uh, make a maneuver the uh, part of his saddle uh, just gives way and he falls from his horse and is now uh, very close to said chasm fiend and does not uh, doesn't have the the mobility of his horse uh, has temporarily lost his shard blade because as he dropped it it disappeared and he needs to uh, to resummon it and uh, it's time for a, a bit of a, a rescue uh, fortunately for the uh, the Colins here, Sadius, much as uh, as Adolin may already hate the guy vigorously, uh, Sadius <laughs> is doing uh, doing his part here. He has uh, one of the uh, the bows that we had we had mentioned these enormous bows that need to be fired by people wearing plate, uh, and he has uh, he's got a good line on it, and he's uh, putting some effective giant arrow shots in to uh to keep the chasm fiend uh a little preoccupied and and can't just go after elicar so Diaz sure is a good guy he's he just wants the best doesn't he he does he's, he's putting in the work 
for his whole army for his for the for the for the glory of the of Valakar. <laughs> Chapter 15, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, sure will. <laughs> Foreshadowing is a literary device. Where... <laughs> uh, but yes, in the moment, Delinar remarks that uh, uh, they were not friends and they did not like one another. Uh, but the the one thing that they do share is that they are going to protect Alucard, uh, which may be in very different ways, but in this case, both of them are are effective. Elokar is uh, taking the opportunity now that he has been uh, somewhat rescued from imminent uh, attack to shout more dramatic things and attempt to attack the the Chasm Fiend again. So uh, not lacking for courage, at least. I love the uh, the side note as uh, as Delinar is kind of joining the the fight more closely. Uh, it's it's time for him to. Uh, to abandon his horse from this battle, uh, his horse Gallant, uh, and he tells Gallant to go away, and Gallant does, unlike the king. <laughs> he specifically notes, unlike the king, the horse would obey. It. You mean yeah? That. <laughs> that. my favorite bits on our podcast and it's by far the stupidest it's good it's a good one is it by far the stupidest we have some pretty stupid bits is it that's you fair. mean that <laughs> i also love elokar just flat out monologuing to a creature that from what we can tell fully cannot understand him there's no parshendi around he's just doing this for him yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's like just the words like are you a god? I defy you, creature. I claim your life. And then going on. It's a very cool monologue, but based on the context and the first reaction being Dalinar groaned, it just looks very silly. Like, yeah. if if this were going better for Elokar, it would be a cool moment. Indeed. Good thing to say as you plunge your sword into its heart. Bad thing to say when you're... Just on the ground. And right. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> and you're battling for your life. So yeah, uh, Dalinar and Adolin are now both on foot trying to uh, to bring this beast down and, and defend the king. Uh, we see some of the uh, the, the benefits of, uh, of Shardplate as uh, Adolin gets thrown to the side. Uh, and his uh, his plate is not in good shape. Dalinar is is hoping that it will hold a little bit longer, uh, but he is he is still alive and, and still protected. So Dalinar now focuses, uh, as he says, uh, "There's only two things that remain from his brother Gavilar. There's the kingdom and his son, and he's going to do everything he can to protect both of those." So. Uh, and and we see it now from from Adolin's perspective. Uh, we've we've heard a little bit from Adolin on how his father used to be this this kind of famed warrior, and maybe is fading a little bit in in his current age. Uh, but Adolin says uh, today he sees it. This is this is the Blackthorn. This is the one that that everyone talked about. Uh, as uh, among other things. Uh, Dalinar just straight up catches one of these crab claws that is attempting to smash Elokar to bits and just 
grabs it and pushes it away and it's pretty awesome it's very cool so it is very cool and i want to talk about it in three seconds but uh we did not talk about the fact that renarin renarin oh, yeah it's just uh, like hey renarin also <laughs> does uh briefly try to join the battle uh and dalinar says uh no you cannot help here please do not also get hurt you are not wearing anything. You have no weapons. <laughs> Go away. Character-wise, I get why that's there. Logistics-wise, very wild to think of Renarin, like, spending probably several minutes riding towards the battle, yelling, hey, do you need help? Dad says no, and he goes, okay, bye. <laughs> and his opening line is, father, are you well? It's like, no, I'm getting crabbed. <laughs> Doing bad. Doing quite bad. Please leave. <laughs> Please leave. Are, are you winning, father? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the catching the claw. Very badass, as we said. But um, do field mice catch hawks' talons, too? They are if they're wearing power armor. <laughs> I guess that's a fair point. In Redwall, they do. <laughs> I guess that's a fair point, but this thing is intending to smash, and it smashes. There is a bit of a uh, a factor of, like, how much influence does Dalinar actually have over this situation? Uh, but the answer turns out to be just barely enough, uh, because neither he nor nor Elokar get actually flattened. There, there is There is enough time that uh the the others are able to to actually bring it down and the the hunt is a success and and like we said it it was originally going to be not much of a a hunt and it turns out to be quite a a bit of an actual battle uh and and now perhaps in in some cosmic way they deserve the uh the reward that they're going to get here Ah, you mean the reward that Elokar is going to get all by himself. Yeah, he won. It was me. I did it. Yeah, he's got the glory spread for him. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he did it all by himself. Great job, dipshit. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> that was nearly a literal spit. I could hear the <laughs> echo of the cup. No, I, I knew immediately you had just taken a sip. He's just trying to hydrate. I also got to say, with regards to the thing you mentioned earlier, Justin, of Dalinar being like there's only two things left uh, of Gavilar, his son and his kingdom. I know she's a heretic or whatever, but kind of messed up of him to think that when there's fully a daughter still alive out there <laughs> that he apparently doesn't care about at all. Maybe he just has the sense that Yasna can take care of herself a lot better. Okay, I see. All right. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, that's uh, she. She is part of this family. She is directly related to the current king. There's nothing else left of him. <laughs> I, I love all of Gavilar's children equally. <laughs> Elakar and looks at smudged writing on hand. Jesse. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the reward here, as we we close the chapter that Elakar is is claiming, uh, is a gem heart, which is is fairly literal. They they cut open. Uh, the the body of this of this dead chasm fiend and they get an enormous 
emerald. It says the size of a man's head, which is is comically large. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that I mean, that's a hell of a prize, especially given the the things that that we've seen uh, gems are used for. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, the 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 beast has been defeated. Elokar and and definitely Elokar's contributions are triumphant. And uh, and we can we can leave the the hunt behind. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed in 2010 Brandon for blatantly stealing from famed 2023 video game The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, uh, which also features giant rock monsters that, when you defeat them, leave behind a giant heart made of gems. Why would Brandon do this? Come on, shameful. Brandon. We see right through you. Maybe there's there's no time travel in the Cosmere because Brandon can do it and knows what the consequences are. <laughs> and this was the one thing he used it for. He did it just once. <laughs> he did it to, to research future media and steal plot points from from 13 years later. Brandon. Hey, while we're at a chapter break, can I ta- can I talk about these headers? These these interesting faces we keep seeing a little bit. You can. We're uh, we're moving to chapter fourteen, and we've got uh, an, another pair here. So, uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, I still don't have any like thoughts, thoughts, but just in terms of like keeping track of everything. At start of thirteen, we finally get the final face of the ten that has not appeared yet, which I've dubbed Helmet Hair. Um, <laughs> they are paired along with King who, again, I just keep assuming is Yesrian because we got the description that he has a crown. And then for 14, we've got uh, uh, the king again and little page boy. Um, and this is particularly interesting because so far in part two, every chapter has had at least two viewpoints. So I figured that was why we keep getting multiple faces. But spoilers for chapter 14, it's just Kaladin. So I guess it's not that. Maybe it's just in part two we just now get two faces but i don't know i'm still i'm still paying attention and it could this could all be for nothing but for now i'm gonna pretend like it's not that could be like a motto for this podcast or podcasts like it this could be nothing but for now i'm going to pretend it's not yep Uh, but yeah we will we'll go to chapter 14 uh payday we are back with uh, with kaladin Uh, Our writer here says, Let me first assure you that the element is quite safe. Uh, I have found a good home for it. I protect its safety like I protect my own skin, you might say. Wild way to phrase whatever he's talking about. I I feel (laughs) like if if anything is worthy of of our joke about uh, it or that, uh, (laughs) the element might be worthy of it. Yeah. It's uranium. <laughs> That's uh, something you might not want near your own skin. <laughs> I keep it under my pillow to, for safety. That's the 15th metal, actually. <laughs> On an unrelated note, my teeth have been falling out lately. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we. Uh, this is uh, this is a again a very soon return. Uh, after we last saw Kaladin, this is the next morning. Uh, after after the honor chasm and uh it is uh it is time to get started with his new job as bridge leader of bridge four uh which happens with with middling success uh but it is kaladin doing a thing 
and and you know making making some like like personal progress and decisions so that at least is good to see he mentioned striding through the room of blanketed lumps blanketed lumps by the way is my new album name <laughs> mhm yeah kaladin has uh i don't even think like this was literally last night like in in the early hours of the morning or so that gaz officially made him bridge leader uh, so as far as everyone else in this room knows, uh, Kaladin is just another bridgeman. Uh, and he he busts into the room and, and starts, like, drill sergeant yelling at them. Uh, and so I think, quite fairly, they tell him to fuck off. Yep. <laughs> and his response is to beat people up. <laughs> yes. Uh, his, uh, his next course of action is to... Uh, I pick pick someone who looks like they can't be bullied and then bully them. <laughs> uh, he nice. he picks out a uh, a man named Moash, and uh, like physically drags him up, punches him in the gut, and then just bodily hauls him out of the barracks. And it's just worth emphasizing since chapter one, this is easily the best Kaladin has ever been. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, he uh he he does with with the threat of more punches to the gut, he does actually get them all out of the barracks in the morning. And he says that uh things are going to change around here. We we briefly meet uh Sigzel is one of the other bridgemen here who who says change to do what? And uh, Kaladin lays out his new plan, which is that they are going to, uh, they're going to train. He, he's going to actually go full drill sergeant here uh, and run some drills. And it goes like the Monty Python sketch. <laughs> Anyone else got a problem marching up and down the square? It turns out everyone does. Yes, they do have a problem with it. Uh, yeah, he, he, he... He starts with, I know what you're thinking, and describes what they are thinking, and then uh, Leighton does what I think a lot of people want to do and says, yes, that is what we're thinking. We do deserve to just lay around a bit after running a bridge. But uh, yeah, he Kaladin makes his, his declaration that uh, they are going to train, uh, and that uh, he intends that Bridge 4 will not lose another man. I gotta say... In no way am I trying to victim blame here. Kaladin, that is setting the bar incredibly high for a letdown. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, it's a pretty far jump between Bridge 4 has basically a 100% casualty rate every three weeks or so, and nobody will die. Because it's also like training drills to like get you into shape. They don't work in two to three days. Like, if if there's another bridge run in three days, it's not like everyone's going to be super fit and buff by then. Yeah. But uh, he makes this declaration. There is a, uh, a moment of pause. Uh, and then uh, one of the, the other bridgemen, who claims to just be named Rock, uh, says what everyone is thinking, uh, which is that Kaladin is crazy, and... Uh, Moash bothers to ask Gaz, D does does anything that he says actually matter? 
Uh, and Gaz, Gaz says, no, when you're running a bridge, sure, he's in charge, but otherwise, no, you, you don't have to care. And so they don't. Hooray. Thanks, Gaz. Can we just logistically talk about the fact that one of the people lugging this bridge on a team of people lugging the bridge is significantly taller than everybody else? Yeah, Rock is like seven feet tall. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> I will, I went to bat for the logistics of bridge running last episode or an episode or two ago. That's a very good point. I don't have a response to that. <laughs> it's the guy in front of him is like, his feet are dangling while he's trying to... <laughs> His hands are all the way above his head. They have to cut a hole in the bridge for his head to stick out of. And then all the soldiers are like, damn it, I have to cross bridge four today, so I have to dodge around this guy. They call it the rock bump. Holy shit. Oh my god. Guess what? The uh, I get to bring up a history thing. Because literally, um, in the Le Mans race, back when Ford won a bunch... Um, one of the drivers was Dan Gurney, and he was about that tall, and he didn't fit in the car, and so you know what they did? <laughs> they cut a hole in the roof. They cut a hole in the roof, and they put oh, yeah. a little, a little, they bolted, literally, you can see the bolts, they bolted a little bump, so he fit, <laughs> which I'm sure is 100% safe. They built him a mobile, <laughs> <laughs> And they called it the Gurney Bump. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Related only by Beth's description of this contraption, uh, something that I I saw once that that very much amuses me is on the the Wikipedia article for the Popemobile, uh, there is a sentence on how the Vatican does wish that people would stop calling it the Popemobile. And then the first words of the next sentence after that are, the Popemobile... Yeah. And it just continues to describe <laughs> it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Bridge 4 here has the uh, the reasonable reaction of, this sounds stupid, I'm going to go try to enjoy my day as much as I can as a bridge man, and not spend it working out. So, uh, Kaladin is not able to kind of immediately begin the things that he, he wants, but uh, uh, he he acknowledges that that was uh, probably unlikely to to go perfectly according to plan. He specifically notes that one of the reasons why uh, is that when he was in the army and doing training, uh, you could actually punish people who did things incorrectly or didn't listen to you. Uh, And you can't really punish a bridge man because they already have the worst life possible. So what can you do to them? (laughs) <laughs> the punishment for misbehaving soldiers is to become a bridge man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> it is, I know they have the Honored Chasm, which is a, uh, a depressing alternative available at any time. It is weird that, like, defects are the worst things you can do. If you're going to defect, you're going to go straight to bridge crew. And from what we hear, we don't have many bridge crew defects who try to just run to somewhere else i suppose they're in the middle of like the desert but you'd think you'd at least hear about a couple of people who are like yeah we want to like get out of here and try to get a new life somewhere else just like we did the first time yeah they're they're definitely not in a good physical situation for it given their uh their location but given 
what a bridge crew is, yeah, maybe someone would would still think to try. But for now, uh, Cal is going to have to see uh, what he can do from here. Uh, and step one is go track down Gaz. Go bully Gaz. Tur- turns out <laughs> is uh, is easier to do when Sil can just kind of invisibly go fly around uh, and say, oh yeah, he's he's right over there. It's payday, fellas. Yeah. Uh, more of, of Cal kind of just trying to do things his way. Uh, yeah, he, he goes tracks down Gaz, says it's uh, it's payday. Uh, and, and, and Gaz says, well, there's a procedure to this. You, you know, you get uh, you get paid at noon or whatever it is. Uh, and, and Cal just says, well, you've got the money now. How about you pay me now? <laughs> I do I, I do like the the distinction that that Cal makes here though where cuz the the deal that was struck last night was that uh Gaz gets one out of every five chips uh, and so Gaz pays Kaladin his now reduced four uh four diamond chips or uh sorry four four diamond marks and then Kaladin says no I want I want the other one uh which Gaz, having just seen what what Cal did to the bridge crew, is is assuming that that Cal's trying to go back on his deal, uh, and and does give it to him. I guess thinks that Cal's gonna beat him up again, and then Cal turns around and gives it right back to him and, and says, "You're not keeping part of my pay. I am giving part of my pay to you. It is coming to you from me, and don't forget that." Which I, I think is a, a good distinction to make. I do like that. This is a bribe. <laughs> yeah. L- listen to me, Gaz. This is a bribe. This is not a withholding. It is a bribe. <laughs> I am bribing you. I also love how much of this interaction is Gaz saying, you can't make me do that while doing the thing <laughs> Paladin wants. <laughs> we see the word creme. We've got, we do. I think we've gotten a couple. Oh, we've of had crems, like Kremlings, but, yeah. But Gaz, Gaz, Gaz likes talking about the Krems. Because <laughs> the subreddit for uh, Cosmere memes is called Krem posting. It is, and I was yes. like, "What does that mean?" And now I Krem know posting. it's like shit. <laughs> we'll see more what the actual literal definition is, but yeah, at least in universe, it's it's kind of treated as a uh, like a, a an unwanted waste product, and so. Yeah, Crimposting is a great subreddit. It is uh, perhaps slightly more uh, spoiler-filled, though in general the the Sanderson fandom does a pretty good job at uh, at differentiating what is spoilers for what. But yeah, Crimposting is great. Yeah, I mean, I I browsed it when we finished um, the Mistborn trilogy, and they have great filters, so I just filtered it down to Mistborn stuff, and I laughed. <laughs> I rarely laugh. I never laugh. But I never laugh. I never talk. So, uh, yeah, Kaladin now has to kind of figure out what the, the next step is to actually uh, actually get Bridge 4 somewhere. And uh, first he has to do some, some kind of musing about leadership. Because uh, as, as Gaz is leaving, he reminds Kaladin that he he does not have any rank he is a bridge man and that is that is all that there is at this point 
uh, and and Cal, who does have some experience in in leadership, uh, says that uh, that that authority isn't necessarily defined by by rank. Uh, it is defined by the people who you are leading, and uh, and so the the people who he wants to actually have have follow him are the ones who need to say that he's in charge. And so maybe that's possible, though right now, not uh, not going well yet. Shortly after that, we see uh, the beginning of uh, Kaladin's new plan, uh, which the only thing he really can do right now is just start the training himself. He can at least uh, work on himself, and he can hopefully set a good example uh, so what he does is he he goes to the, the lumber yard where they build the bridges, which is nearby, uh, and he finds a a, a big wooden board uh, that is is going to be used for a bridge at some point. Uh, says, "Can I borrow this?" Which is kind of a weird thing to say about like an eight foot long plank. Uh, and then just starts doing some some workouts. He's uh, he's running with it, trying to build up his uh his endurance build up some some uh, ability to to carry things the scene with the plank sends a very specific energy and i don't even remember the context for this but there's a clip from spongebob where spongebob is just like burrowing under the earth for some reason and then he emerges next to a guy who's roasting marshmallows over a fire and he says he takes two marshmallows and says can i borrow a couple of these and the guy just nods, and then SpongeBob takes two marshmallows and leaves. And the guy roasting marshmallows is never seen again. <laughs> like, <laughs> can I take this? Sure, okay, and then move on. It it could have just been he grabs a plank of wood, but we have to have this little mini interaction for some reason. And it's it's hardly even that the guy just nods. It's like, can I borrow this? I mean, we're. We're gonna need it. We're get. Oh, you're walking away. You're taking. Okay. Okay. Bye. It specifically says he did not offer enough of an objection. Yeah. <laughs> the dot 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 is. Uh, it 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 really sells the tone of the delivery of. We'll need it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> like uh no no okay he's he's just walking all right. There's sorry okay. to keep bringing it back to Tears of the Kingdom but the. The shopkeepers in Tears of the Kingdom will yell out little, like, one-line dialogues without you having to go up and talk to them. But then if you, like, get on top of their stand and walk on their merchandise, they will say a different line that's usually along the lines of just, could you not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, getting Link to not do anything chaotic, I think, would be even harder than what Kaladin is up to in this chapter. That's true. <laughs> In the show I'm running currently, we have a couple scenes that are just like, and we're in the street now, and all the street vendors are hawking their wares. It's like, hey, get your hats here, stuff like that. But we also have like a street busker juggler who never knows what to say. <laughs> so every time he enters, he's like, uh, jug j juggling, we're gonna, we're gonna juggle over here, check it out. And apparently last night he just yelled, get juggly with it, and ran on stage. <laughs> I, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that, but uh, we'll we'll check back in with, with Kaladin here. <laughs> Kaladin's getting joggy with it. Uh, nice. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll work with it. 
I'm trying to help here, Justin. I, I appreciate it dearly. Um, yeah, for for a little bit, Kaladin, and, and I am I am not uh, that uh, enthusiastic about physical fitness myself, but I I understand that this is a thing that uh, as as he is working out, even though the the plan of start training bridge four hasn't been going so well yet, uh, there is a an element of I am I am physically doing a thing. I am you know working my body to uh, to a point where it is it is tired and sore, and there's some satisfaction to that. So he does at least get that. Yeah, I like the distinction of uh, it felt good to wear himself down in a way he chose. That's kind of the theme yeah. of the whole chapter. Is Kaladin is still choosing to do things his way, even though it seems like he doesn't have a lot of options. He even that follows up because when he finds out everyone's watching him, he then says, "You're dismissed for lunch." Like he purposefully called them all here. Right. <laughs> I also like how uh, uh, apparently uh, the thing that the rest of Bridge Four has been uh, has been getting up to is uh, there was some money put down on this this whole endeavor, uh, and that Rock and Teft uh, apparently had a, a bet uh, that. Kaladin was was trying to impress them uh, and had like chosen a uh, the, the lightest plank he could find just so he looked like he was he was working out more strenuously uh, and uh, rock has to has to pay out here because nope it was uh, it was not a trick he actually just did do the thing I love that the bridgemen are starting to come out of their shells so to speak not through any inspiration of Kaladin's leadership, but by sheer value of what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. I like the detail where Teft believed him. Like, somebody thought that this was worthy of, of betting, that, like, he actually cares enough to make it look realistic or be real, actually. Yeah, that's true. Rock's the only one on the side of it's a trick and multiple people are and like, no, I think he's legit about this. That's a good point. Yeah. So he's getting somewhere. Not far, but somewhere. <laughs> and then ironically, some of it is a bit of bravado because he immediately has to go where no one can see him and be horizontal for several minutes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. They they can't see me. I need to sit down. And uh Meanwhile, while he is is trying to recover feeling in his legs, uh, Syl has made a a very important discovery, uh, which is that it's a good thing that Kellen kept his word with Gaz. Uh, and Kellen's reaction is, okay, great, <laughs> but uh, but Syl is uh, Syl is experiencing things here. She says. I I know what lying is now, and I did not know that before. And also, I am glad that you did not lie. Like the, she's uh, she's learning about these things apparently, like for the first time, uh, and is trying to deal with that. It's the plot of the creator all over again. The innocent little child that will one day destroy the world, or something. I don't know. Cre Creator was a good movie, but was like, okay, but now what? <laughs> Creator's a good poll. I'm getting, like, Doki Doki Literature Club vibes of 
Why do oh, I God. know what death is, Kaladin? Like, I, oh, no. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> You're supposed to be the, the magical guide assistant. Like, I can't help with your existential crisis. <laughs> but yeah, some of the other things that uh, Syl realizes that she understands is a little bit more of, of what happened uh, at the Honor Chasm because like we we remarked on at the end of part one uh previously she had kind of found she had made the the one connection of uh Kaladin was happier when he had this leaf and so if i bring the leaf to him he might be happy tonight uh and she has now put together that that night he was on the verge of killing himself and somehow her delivery of a deadly poison was was something that that brought something back to him. So yeah, why do I know what death is, Kaladin? Uh, and he uh, he does not have a good answer for that. But there's something even more dangerous than that, which is that she knows what sarcasm is now. <laughs> that My is probably the God. bigger concern. Stormfather. Is he also mentions like that's how I am bringing death and lies wherever I go, and then starts to say that with sarcasm. I know Kaladin's feeling a little bit better than usual, but doesn't he legitimately still kind of think that death follows him, or is he just completely given up on that? And now that's a joke. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe treating this as sarcasm is a sign of progress. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm sure everyone on Bridge Four will stay alive for a really, really long time. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes. I can't even I I after Ham I can't even say things like that anymore. Like, <laughs> it's anytime I think someone's about to die, they they live forever. And anytime I'm like, surely this person's gonna <laughs> stick around. There's so much going on with Zane. They wouldn't kill Zane's dead. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Which I was okay with for the record. I just expected to get more answers. But as our uh, our chapter is wrapping up here. Uh, Kaladin and and Syl both decide that they are scared to go onward, but terrified to go back. And uh, that's about all they they can conclude for the moment. Uh, Kaladin needs to go get some food and then figure out what the, uh, the next part of his plan is. And we will we'll get back to Kaladin in a future episode. It's uh, kind of sad and freaky that like Syl is worried about like a flowers for algernon thing happening here yeah it's i don't want to forget that's sad yeah she's she's experiencing a lot of a lot of these yeah like capabilities uh for the first time and does not have any guarantee that that's going to last so uh yeah we'll we'll conclude a a kaladin chapter uh in uh, a, a kind of typically uh, worrying note and go on to uh, chapter 15 the decoy our our writer here says you do not agree with my quest i understand that so much as it is possible to understand someone with whom i disagree so completely so uh, it's mutual these people hate each other <laughs> at, at least they're uh they they are uh, at odds with each other and now we get uh, an extended uh, section about uh, the the goings on of the the kind of Alethi 
royal circle. Uh, Sam, uh, what do you think about these people? Oh, I hate them all so much. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Listen, this chapter in particular. I've been a proletariat for generations now. Um, and I can't You've stand been? the idea of people just gallivanting around and d- d- people are die. 50 people died. <laughs> 50. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to bring it to Elokar because he's going to make fun of me. What the fuck? <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> what's the, uh, what, Beth, what's the Henry V quote of, uh, but no one of name? Oh, uh, t- shit uh it's been so long it's, it's good and relevant it's, it's gonna be good yeah it, it, it... i'm fully capable of looking this up but i'm asking you to do it just for fun <laughs> yeah where is the number of our english dead edward the duke of york the earl of suffolk sir richard ketley davy gam esquire none else of name and of all other men but five and twenty twenty five so... other people but they don't matter but they don't matter because they weren't named characters. They were just soldiers. Because they were just dark eyes. Which, by the way, I, I hate that word because it's very, like, fucking close to a really horrible word. I hate it. It's bad. Brandon. Racism, racism bad. Yeah, let's, uh, let's see what's, uh, what's going on here as we are we're going home from a near disaster of a, a hunting party where the, the king almost died, uh, it's a, a very celebratory mood. At least uh, as we're starting with Adolin's POV here, he, he does say, like, he is is fairly uh, hung up on the fact that uh, 50 men dead, twice as many wounded, many were men Adolin had known, and... Uh, the king kind of brushed things off given that he and those closest to him are are all fine uh but adolin does does linger on this for a bit so at, at least there's there's someone thinking about this he mentions that at least they'll be rewarded for their valor with positions in the heraldic forces above which is really comforting because we know that when the heralds die they go straight to a nice normal heaven where everything is cool and chill that's the one thing we know about when heralds die Mm-hmm. Yep. and then they get slung right back into a battle and then they go back to heaven and then they it's like reverse valhalla yeah it's yeah it's just a really shitty valhalla yeah it's, just, <laughs> it's not far off yeah then adolin seeks out dalinar with his eyes <laughs> yeah let's uh let's briefly look at this phrase that uh that sam sought out with his eyes when we were reading this <laughs> It's it's a little weird. I although I do I think Beth you mentioned like it it's it's to point out that like he didn't like walk around to look for him. He actually like stood and looked. Right? Was that your point kind of? Yeah, I thought it was to distinguish like he's not going to go up and chat with him. He's just sort of observing from afar. But yeah, uh Adolin does in fact seek Dalinar out with his eyes. Uh and one thing that he does notice is that uh, we've heard that Dalinar's reputation has been kind of on the downturn recently. Uh, and at least today, uh, things seem to have, have turned around a bit where people have, have realized, right, Dalinar is kind of a badass, isn't he? 
So uh, <laughs> hopefully that lasts for uh, as long as it can. Uh, but Adolin specifically says that he doesn't think it will. We'll then uh, head over to uh, Delinar, who is just doing some thinking here. He's looking out over the, the Shattered Plains. Uh, apparently the the original plan to lay siege here uh, was uh, was Dalinar's idea. Uh, he thought that uh, moving onto the plains themselves in any real capacity uh, could very easily leave leave their armies stranded uh, and and be a pretty major disaster. And so he he said, well, uh, the Parshendi are also kind of enclosed by the ocean and the storms and the mountains and all that. Uh, and we can we can set up here on the edge of the plains and and just trap them here. Uh, and it has been six years since then. Mm. I feel like a more apt term than besiege would be like bandy about. Yeah. Or fuck around. <laughs> like occasionally skirmish with yeah uh delinar says he he did not anticipate the gem hearts uh which have kind of turned the focus of the alethi army and not in a positive direction so yeah uh we now have i think sam fucking about is a a pretty apt term for the the current state of the alethi armies uh, shortly after, Dalinar seeks out Adolin uh, with his eyes, uh, and we get uh, some some description here. Um, I do like, this is just a, a kind of weird quirk of uh, the way that people look on Roshar. People's hair color uh, do not, like, smoothly blend when, when they inherit it, uh, and Adolin has, like... He has, like, naturally growing highlights, basically. He has black <laughs> hair with blonde bits in it. He's got anime hair. I was going to say, there's some Jojo characters that applies to. <laughs> uh, there's also, uh, again, the, the fact that uh, Dalinar has uh, no memory of his wife, very specifically. Yeah, hey, what the fuck? What? <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, in... It's half a paragraph in the middle of this page, and then we move on. It's wild. We want to unpack that a little bit? No? Okay. No, no. there's no time. There's actually lots of time. This whole chapter is people <laughs> just walking around and chatting. <laughs> Could it be he doesn't remember because he was just blind drunk the entire time he was married to her? <laughs> Jeez. Like... It's a little weird also that Aelin is like, I want to go back to the days where my father was a hero and he was drunk as a skunk 90% of the time (laughs) by the stories we read at the beginning. Do do we know if that's always the case? I think we've only, I think we only get confirmation he was super drunk that night. Although he probably, I think we might get in this chapter, he, he liked to drink in general, but. Certainly you wouldn't forget your wife from that. That's this, there's gotta be something else going on. (laughs) Yeah, there's, I mean, there's probably something else, but you gotta be, like, you you don't end up unconscious on the, f- well, okay, never mind, I was in college once. <laughs> <laughs> but, but did you end up unconscious on the floor exactly once? Or, like, was that the only time you ever drank? Probably not. 
<laughs> no, actually, it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, I was so sheltered. Uh, here's just like, here it is. I was so sheltered that I thought alcohol took effect immediately. And I was oh, disappointed because it wasn't working. So you oh, did dear. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up un- unconscious. It was great. And then I was like, you know what? I'm never drinking again. And I didn't drink again. Still haven't. Still can't drink IPAs. Don't send me IPAs. If yeah, you have, no, have a P.O. box or something. That, that, that particular uh, <laughs> note applies to pretty much everyone here in the podcast, I think. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, not figure out what happened with Dalinar's wife uh, and continue to debrief from the hunt, shall we? Yeah, this whole episode is just walking around and running through all the dialogue with all your companions and you try to click on this dialogue option with Dalinar. He's like, let me keep my secrets for now. Is there anything else? I think there's a few points where, like, yeah, you talk to the same character more than once just to make sure. Yeah. (laughs) We do get, uh, then, if we're not going to get uh, uh, deep Dalinar backstory... Uh, we'll get some world building instead. We'll we'll learn about the the gem hearts and the way that uh, that this fucking about has has come about uh, because the uh, the the value of these gem hearts to to maintain the armies are so great, uh, and the the Alethi way is to make things into competition, and so that's what they've done is. It it has become a competition to see who can who can get the most gem hearts, and they fight some Parshendi in the meantime when they happen to show up at the same time, uh, but really they can get more money, and and that's what it's about now. There's no honor in this. I mean, there's like a little bit of honor in the battle that we just had if you do the original plan, and there's obviously more honor that they actually like fought and whatever but like when it's in its chrysalis form and it can't fight back really yeah you're just like trying to like race to an objective (laughs) and then you kill an immobile object like okay i I will also i think it's interesting from the alethi perspective i think there's some some neat commentary of like yeah we're purportedly here for revenge but hey it's pretty cool that we keep making money off of this by getting some valuable resources um, and I am assuming we will get more information, but I, my, my thing with all this so far is we're 220 pages in, I still don't know almost anything about the Parshendi. Like, what's their motivation? What's their deal? Why, like, do they care that much about the gem hearts? And if so, why are they chill, like, being so far away from all of the High Prince camps, allowing them to have the opportunity to kill all these chasm fiends? Why did they kill Gavilar? Like every like everything about the Parshendi, I just I I don't. They're complete question marks at this point. And I just love their response to like, "Why did you kill my dad?" Yeah, we killed your dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> it was us. It's not. It's not what I asked. No, but we definitely did it. <laughs> it was us, definitely. Yeah, but why? Yeah, we did it. Dalinar okay. is uh, is joining us as being apparently the only ones wondering about wh- why did that happen. <laughs> also on Dalinar's mind is uh, 
there's a there's a, a pavilion with wine and refreshments. These people are awful. Uh, and uh, Dalinar is is very uh, is worried, even though it it shouldn't happen. But uh, if if a high storm arrives, they are not in a a good place to deal with that. Uh, and then has to think about uh, the other thing that's on his mind with high storms uh, is that whole thing about him seeing visions. Uh, oh, yeah. Does does he think that he is actually seeing a vision from God and like getting direct divine inspiration? And I get the sense that at this point he thinks the answer might be yes. What else could it be? Not insanity, surely. <laughs> it's a little is okay. Maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping at ghost here, but is it not? phrasing this really weird is it not weird that they say high storms might come tonight like i thought these things are predictable or supposed to be uh we'll see a little more about this later and i don't i don't think this is a a spoiler uh they are predictable but not perfectly um you know it's it's very much like predicting the weather a couple weeks in advance or whatnot where you can you can get a decent idea but sometimes you're wrong and sometimes one comes at you know a couple days early or or whatnot. Those weather liars, <laughs> aka meteorologists. <laughs> <laughs> so Delinar has uh, has has come back now from his his time thinking over things. Uh, is checking back in with with everyone else. Uh, he sees Adolin, who is clearly trying to listen in on Sadius again, and he, he's like. All right, I need to do something about the fact that Adolin just hates Sadius so much. Like, Dalinar acknowledges multiple times in this chapter that he is not friends with Sadius, but even then he's like, okay, Adolin needs to chill. But then maybe we're on Adolin's side a bit, because we see a conversation here between uh, Elkar and Sadius and Dalinar, uh, and both Elkar and Sadius are just awful people in this scene. Mm, more bridge talk. Yeah. The majority of the scene is Elokar just standing there and watching the exchange. Like, he has a little bit of input, but mostly he's just there watching two of his high princes bitch at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sam, I get the sense that this, this conversation here was kind of the root of the I hate all of them. Yeah. I mean, I've been ranting about bridges for... Uh, on end forever. I can't believe I didn't cotton on to the, the concept of, like, why would you not just fucking put wheels on yeah. them? Yeah, which Dalinar apparently has done. He has uh, he has bridges that are, are larger and wheeled and pulled into place by chulls and are not carried into battle by 30 unarmed men. Un- unarmed, unarmored... But it's okay, they're target practice for the Barshendi. I hate you, Sadius. I hate you. <laughs> I'm going to enter this book and strangle you. Just just stab him in the face. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yeah. The It's just like it's, it's I I remember having the same kind of questions of like, 
what the fuck are these bridge tactics? I, I like, Kaladin feels like he's missing something. I do too. I'm not an awful enough person to be like, oh, they're bait. They're just bait. They're bait and they're fast. He just yeah. says it. They distract the Barshendi from firing at my soldiers. Just forever, fuck you. He shakes his head in amusement at the thought of people dying. And the king is like, Dalinar, you should do that. <laughs> Dalinar, this Those guy makes some good rule. points. Yeah, that, that's, awesome. the, that's the part that, that puts Elokar also on the, the negative side of this with me, is, is him listening and just going, yeah, come on, Dalinar, like, get with the times. Throw more people to their <sighs> death. I don't want to. I think Sam gets final approval because this is his bit. But can we can we just announce Sadius as being the what a fucker of this book? It really he's really given the energy. Beth and I oh, have yeah. already decided that, and we can we can agree <laughs> Sadius is one hundred percent the fucker in this book. We found he's, him. We did it. He's lads. the fucker. This is full on like original fucker definition fucker here. <laughs> yep. No, I, I believe in a a, a previous. It was probably during, like, I think it was when we decided that that Kanpar was was the fucker in Hero of Ages, and we said, okay, there's clearly one in every book. Beth and I started going through, like, who who is it in, in the other books? And I think the first one we landed on was Sadius. It's just, it's just a powerful candidate. <laughs> so, uh, at least, like... I don't think that uh, that Brandon is going to have anyone on page call someone a fucker. That seems a little unlikely. <laughs> Adolin does call him a coward, which is a start. Uh, or at least he nearly calls him a coward before before Dalinar says, get a hold of yourself. Do not say that to a high prince. Calls him a cowa. Exactly. <laughs> and then Sadius, having just had Dalinar come to his defense against insults, uh, turns right around and, and starts making fun of Dalinar's kids. And Dalinar says, surely I didn't just hear that. Surely I don't have to duel you and turn you into fucking gore soup, you asshole. Because <laughs> I will. To which we all say, please, please do. <laughs> Go right ahead. You have my permission, Dalinar. But, uh, yeah, uh, Dalinar says, Dalinar says, Sadius, you, you need to back off or I am going to have to take action here. Uh, and Sadius does. So with, with the, the, the awkward summary of the scene, Elikar just says, I guess we can be done with that. <laughs> Sadius does try to, uh, to get in the final word. Uh, we are then uh, interrupted by the arrival of Wit, uh, who I think will always get in the final word. Uh, and so so he gets to to divert that uh, that part of the scene. And he proceeds to roast Sadius for like a full page. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, not a full page, like two and a half pages. <laughs> he just goes on. Good. And, uh, good. <laughs> I want, I want there to be a scene where Wit just continues to do it, and then Sadius like starts to cry. I just want that. <laughs> Sadius didn't know what was happening. He felt tears well in his eyes before he knew it. We, we jump to a Sadius POV just so we can see how thoroughly he's getting destroyed. 
I do, and this is just like a wild, tiny tidbit of world building that I, I really do like, uh, where Wit talks about, and then the, the narration clarifies, uh, you can just kill Wit. It's not murder. Yeah. It is a specific <laughs> different crime. You can just kill him. You merely have to forfeit all of your lands and title. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what does the employment letter look like for this position? Yeah. So, can we just discuss the definition of the word legal? Because that is a punishment for doing that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. Like, yeah. not a capital crime is different than legal. Yeah, yeah, I guess better phrasing would be, was not considered murder. Brandon. <laughs> Brandon. That's a good point, though. What the fuck does this contract look like? Like... Okay, yeah, signing up to be the wit, however many marks a week. Okay, other duties as assigned. Hey, what's this clause? Hey, this one right here that says I could just be assassinated? That's just cool? Okay. Well, they still get pun they still get punished for it. You're right. Sign me up. <laughs> Who in all of the Cosmere would want to have this job, I wonder? Well, th well that's the thing is that I... Like, I get the sense that this particular wit is fully on board for this. Given the fact yeah. that he is, he is taunting Sadius. is like, you want to just kill me? Go for it. Y yeah. You can. You want to? <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's quite a state. Uh, also, in this, like, two and a half page roast of, of Sadius, there's a, uh, there, there's a bit where uh, Sadius says that uh, he thinks that he could he can say nothing ridiculous uh, and and Wit says well you already failed because you thinking is clearly ridiculous uh, how about you Renarin can you speak and say nothing ridiculous and Renarin who we, we've seen is somewhat of a, an awkward side part of a lot of these conversations uh, Dalinar is, is kind of worried about him and, and Renarin takes a minute and then says nothing ridiculous and Wit says you know what cool I like it you got me. Got me there. I read that and I literally said yes out loud when I read it. Yeah. Nice. Well handled. And I, I like wit. He's like, you know, if, if Sadius does kill me, maybe you can be the wit. I think you'd be good at it. <laughs> Which I I get the sense that that would be a kind of unprecedented. Like, Renarin is is the, the younger son, but he is, like, directly related to... High Prince Dalinar Colin, and so for him to go be the king's wit would be somewhat unconventional. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as uh, as this this part of the scene wraps up, uh, Wit decides that he has uh, he has bullied Sadius enough for now, but just for now, he's definitely going to do more of it later. And uh, Dalinar and Adolin have uh, have some work to do. So yeah, let's uh, let's get back to the the incident during the the hunt where Elicard's equipment failed and he was thrown from his horse uh, because apparently Elicard's suspicion uh, is that this was an act of sabotage that part of the saddle had been intentionally cut uh, and uh, Adolin and Dalinar now need to to look into this because. Uh, Elokar is apparently uh, on the paranoid side. That does remind me, and it is related to the setup of the scene. Um, 
Dalinar tells Renarin to go get a report on the wounded, and this could just be a mistake on Brandon's part, but I like to think it's a very intentional thing of Adeline went and got a full casualty report, and the word casualty refers to both deaths and the wounded. Mm -hmm. So this is information that Dalinar should already have because Adeline already brought it to him. So it, it comes across as... I need to go send Renarin to do something else so I can get some one-on-one -on -one time with Adeline, even though the thing he's sending him to do is completely useless. <laughs> Renarin, please go fuck off for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Just go out and say it, you know? What's... Th I, I do not remember what movie this is because I don't watch a lot of movies and I've just seen this scene once, probably. I can't find it. You'll get to, to guess it anyway. Um... There's there's a couple of people in the room and and two of them uh, want to to have a, a private conversation. And so one of them says to the, the third person something like, um, do you want to go get a coffee or something? Uh, and he says, no, I'm doing all right. Uh, and then he says, the two of us would like to talk about you behind your back. Uh, and, and then he says, OK, and leaves. <laughs> oh, I do not know that one. Yeah, it's like we'll 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 be we'll be circumspect about it at first. Would you like to go grab yourself a coffee? But uh, but then we'll just be we'll be straightforward about it. Uh, we have things to talk about. Go away, listeners. If you know what that movie is, yeah, tweet at on us. You. Help. <laughs> so yeah, so what what did happen with this uh, with this this saddle strap here? Uh, because mm. it there's there's kind of a whole a whole back and forth here where. Uh, it looks kind of weirdly worn, where it, it looks like it kind of failed in an unexpected way. But if someone did that on purpose, why? It's a very, very weird way to try to assassinate the king. He was going to be wearing shard plates, so it's not like falling from his horse would probably do much damage. It happened during a hunt, and but the, like, the hunt wasn't supposed to go wrong. So it's it's a very confusing kind of mess here. Yeah, because Elikar thinks it was cut, and Dalinar thinks he thinks he could see why someone would think that, especially if they weren't thinking clearly. And me, Sam, I think he thinks, Elikar thinks that assassins think that their thoughts should be turned to thinking about assassinating him. I think that Sam just about covered it. Yeah. Adeline has no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adeline does have some thoughts uh, in that... Uh, their their argument on what happened with this this saddle strap uh kind of rapidly shifts to an argument on the war as a whole and and Dalinar comments on that when it happens and uh Adolin apologizes as I spoke in haste but Dalinar also acknowledges that yes maybe maybe they should be uh Maybe maybe Dalinar should be taking some more action and not letting things kind of trail off like he has been. And then he gives Adeline a laundry list of things to do. Yeah, there's a some some thorough investigation and and uh, increased guarding and whatnot. Uh, oh and Adeline gets the uh, the tasks uh, and then immediately thinks that Sadius did it. Can we just enumerate the tasks that he's given here in, like, two paragraphs? Just rattled off? Let's see. We're going to check if anyone's bragging 
Also, if Royon's still bitter. Also, have Talada go over contracts with High Prince Bethab, who we don't. Okay, who? Bethab's been bold since Anti Navani left. Who? Okay, great. Anyway. Uh, also backtrack the girth's history. Also have a leather worker look at the strap. Also interrogate the grooms. Also double the king's guard. <laughs> Damn, Dad, I didn't have a pad and pen. What the hell? <laughs> Can you do that again slower? <laughs> to see, to sell, to get, to bring, to make, to lift, to go to the <laughs> festival. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, maybe Adolin did not get some of that because he was busy looking at Sadius and going, I bet he did it. <laughs> it was him. Adolin is the only one who seems aware that Sadius is the fucker. <laughs> Dad, don't you see? He's the fucker. <laughs> Certified official for this book. Dalinar's like, listen, I know he's the fucker, but he's like a, um, uh, uh, not Penrod. Who's the guy? Phylan. He's, the, he's a Phylan level fucker. He's not like, High high stakes, fucker. Yeah. So while uh, while Adolin has the the entire to do list all filled up, Dalinar is is off to his his next task, uh, which is to uh, economically pressure uh, High Prince Vama, who they they have a, a whole dialogue here about what Vama is is trying to work on, uh, and apparently. Uh, we learn the way that this is all put together uh, is that the the king has control over the soulcasters, uh, which can help with construction uh, and also notably food uh, out here on the Shattered Plains. Uh, and there are taxes on using those. And Vama has been uh, has been a bit loud about how he he disagrees with the the rates right now, uh, and. Uh, Sadius, who has control over a non-soulcast lumber supply, Sadius has been has been raising his prices, and Dalinar is over here, kind of gently reminding Vama of, you know, the the, the king is is very generous to allow you to use these soulcasters, and Vama just says, yes, okay, I get it, like fine, I'll I'll pay the taxes, you, you don't <laughs> have to, like, I get it. And apparently this is Catan because Sadius controls the lumber in the region. Yeah. <laughs> Who controls the sheep? And he rolled a four. Why do they keep rolling fours? It's not fair. <laughs> do they have sheep here? We haven't seen sheep. Crab sheep. Crab sheep. That would be kind of... I don't... I actually... I don't know yeah, if wait. I like that. Would they have... <laughs> Wool? Do, yeah, do wool. they have wool or do they have Ooh. a carapace? And if they have both, which one goes on top? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you crack open the shell and it's just wool? <laughs> yeah, no, one of them seems more obvious, but if you think of the other alternative, it's way, way worse. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, Dalinar and, and Sadius are, are debriefing uh, and again, like the two of them don't like each other, but they they are working together here to uh, to keep Alakar safe. Uh, Dalinar says that he's worried about about Alakar's paranoia and doesn't know where he gets it from. Uh, and Zadius says, "Come on, first of all, <laughs> his father was literally assassinated. That is why we are here. Uh, and second of all, 
you're guarding him like with every resource you have like of course he's paranoid because every because you act paranoid and his father was killed kind of a point um uh, and then like dalinar did i this just feels so wrong that i can't believe it's it actually was said um does am i misremembering did dalinar ask sadius where he was when gavilar was fighting for his life yes okay because dalinar was three sheets to the wind <laughs> yeah where were you when he was fighting for his life you were unconscious on the fucking floor <sighs> yeah this uh this may be the the kind of root of the uh the, the whole sticking point uh, because uh, we learn, we'll, we'll get back to the, the kind of middle bit, uh, way back to the, the prologue with, uh, with Zeth figuring out the, uh, the, the plan here uh, with, the, with King Gavilar actually being the one in the armor and the one he saw running away being a decoy. Uh, Sadius was the decoy, which there's a couple ways to look at it because if the plan went as intended this was a suicide mission this was sadius saying i'm going to run and get this deadly assassin to chase me and probably kill me and then gavilar will get away and because it didn't work the like the outcome of this plan was sadius runs away and this is the thing that that Dalinar has kind of stuck in his mind and acknowledges somewhat that this is irrational and that he was also not contributing to Gavilar's defense. Uh, but it's it's one of those irrational things that you just can't get over is Sadius ran away and was not there to defend King Gavilar. I'll give Dalinar a point here because like Sadius could have looked over his shoulder and been like, oh... He's the not guy's biting. not following me. Yeah. I better go back and I, I don't know. He doesn't have a shard blade. You know, it, he can go back and die. I guess. Without his shard blade. Yeah, I also assume that some of this is like projecting. Like Dalinar is still just very angry about the fact that no one was able to protect Gavilar and so he blames himself but also wants to blame other people too. Like I... I just see this as someone who is frustrated and being a little bit irrational about it. But uh, but in between uh, all of all of that discussion of the night of of Gavilar's death, uh, there's some some other things to discuss. Uh, which uh, one of which is is a sentence that confuses Adolin, uh, which is, uh, did you ever find out uh, what it what it meant that what he wrote uh and Aelin goes wait what he wrote that that's not a thing that men do uh so yeah we'll we'll have to kind of unravel that it's a point of pride yeah apparently why would you bother yourself with silly things like writing but uh yeah we we talk about the the things that uh that Dalinar uh went through that night uh, apparently, the last thing that uh, that Gavilar said to him 
uh, was follow the codes tonight. There is something strange on the winds. And uh, so we've we've heard a bit about how Dalinar is is very devoted to following these these codes, these these guidelines. This is certainly a reason why. Where uh, uh, Dalinar says that Gavilar showed them to him. And Dalinar says, I thought that they were that they were nonsense, especially the one about not getting drunk while I was on duty. And uh, the events of that night have uh, somewhat changed his opinion on that. It is interesting, though, because it's not drinking while on duty. It specifically says it commands an officer to avoid strong drink during times of war. It was a celebration of a treaty being signed. They were not at war that night. So, like, sure, it was irresponsible, but Dalinar being drunk was not actually against the codes from what we know of it right here, which I think is kind of interesting of... You could read it almost as Dalinar going overboard in mm -hmm. trying to follow the codes just because he fucked up that badly. Oh, can we real quick talk about the fact that there's a title drop? Ah. We, we can. I was trying to find exactly where on the page that was. It, it uh, technically shows up very briefly early on, and then they talk about it later. Yeah. Real quickly. But it's a book. It is a book. It's a book written by an ancient king, Brandon Sanderson. Sandon Branderson. <laughs> I'm I'm going to get to point out one of those uh, uh, one per book occurrences. Uh, every book in the Stormlight Archives is titled after an in-world piece of writing. So we now have found the first one, The Way of Kings. Oh shit, there's, there's going to be ten books. There are, in fact, going to be 10 books. I'm going to have actual theories for today. <laughs> oh, God. Is that implying you weren't until now? I didn't have a lot today. I still okay. probably won't. <laughs> is it going to be like, there are so many streets near me. I don't know if this is just a Michigan thing, but like neighborhoods will have like, uh, you know, maple and pine and spruce. And then just one of the streets will be called like tree. <laughs> is is the tenth what? book is the tenth book gonna be called the Stormlight Archives? <laughs> that won't be confusing at all. Stormlight Archives, tenth book in the Stormlight Archives. But yeah, so we have uh we have Dalinar talking about how he he's trying to explain to Adolin, yes, Sadius and I do not get along. We we maybe never will at this point. Uh but both of us were there with Gavilar that night and then didn't protect him and so both of us are going to protect his son if it's everything that we can do uh, protect his son and protect his kingdom because there's a good man inside Sadius deep deep inside under all the layers of being a shitty man <laughs> <laughs> if you ignore all the parts where he's a bad man which compromises the majority of his constitution he's a good man Delinar does insist on this fact Adolin does not want to believe him. We will we'll have to see which of the two which of the two come out. There's look, Joss Whedon is a terrible person. There is a very good line from Dr. Horrible I'm gonna quote here of one person saying, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes someone has like a really rough exterior, but inside there's there's a good person underneath it. And the response is, mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a third layer even deeper down that's just as bad as the first one. Like with Pi. Like with Pi. <laughs> 
Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah, let's let's get back to this whole thing about Gavilar writing his last words. What's what's <laughs> up with that? Is that allowed? <laughs> I mean, he was the king. Like maybe it was, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, Dalinar explains to to Adolin that uh, I guess Gavilar's true last words uh, were written on a piece of wood in his own blood, uh, and. It's funny because we saw this scene and this isn't quite how this went down, but that is, uh, that's what they, they took from it is Gavilar's last words of, you must find the most important words a man can say. Uh, and the, the only people who, who know about this, uh, are Dalinar and Sadius and Yasna and now Adolin uh, and Alakar that, uh, yeah, Gavilar had some mysterious last words that were written on a piece of wood. And they they note that during when they were like right after right after Gavilar's assassination, they found this this piece of wood. Uh Sadius found it, hid it, and then Yasna was the one who actually read it because the rest of them can't read. And then yeah, we learned that it is a a quote from the book The Way of Kings. And uh, Yasna was able to to track this book down, uh, and now Dalinar has has tried to tried to figure out what the meaning is there. He's uh, had it read to him a few times. Uh, he says it is a it was a book that was used by the the Radiants, which are not a thing anymore and have not been for a very long time and have a somewhat mixed reputation. So this is also confusing. It is. I assume we might get it eventually. I would like some more context on the specific passage. It, it, it would be wild if someone was like, yeah, their last words were from the Bible. That's a religious text. I couldn't figure out why he, he said the Bible thing. It's like, no, you should tell me what the verse was. Tell me the verses around it. And maybe with context, we can learn a little bit more. But as of right now, it's just like, yeah, it's a quote from the book. Don't, don't, don't really get why it's there. And and Delinar says he has had the whole book read to him a couple of times. So it's, yeah, it's he not has like the context. He just he doesn't want to share it. Right. It's it's not like Yasna just like found the quote and said to him, "Oh, it's from the Way of Kings," and he investigated no further. So yeah, we will we'll have to figure out what was in in this book, and we do get a little bit of it, but uh, but not the relevant quote. We'll have to uh, we'll have to think on that later, though, uh, because we have uh, we have one more uh, check in with Elokar, uh, and then one more chance for uh, for Dalinar to do some thinking before we wrap up the chapter. Uh, Elokar arrives. Uh, he is he is still wearing his his shard plate, uh, but no helmet. He's he's turned off the option to show your helmet in the cutscenes. Yeah, I was gonna say because it's a cutscene. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh Adolin, who we are we're viewing this from uh he's he sees Elicar come up uh and notes that uh several women who he trusts have said that Elicar is is quite handsome not as handsome as him of course but handsome <laughs> and uh yeah Elicar is is ready to ready to be done uh he in, in fact suggests that 
those wearing plate can can jump across the chasms and so they could just go back it would not take all that long uh, and, and dalinar says i've put in a lot of this work to keep you guarded we're not just going to leave and just like run home for several hours that doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound like a good idea and uh elokar wants to make sure that they're they're checking in on the saddle strap which they are uh he dalinar says you know maybe it was cut it does look like it was it was kind of weakened on one side and elokar is instantly i knew it they're definitely trying to kill me so uh yeah, perhaps perhaps a bit on the the paranoid side, especially as this this goes on, and given that Dalinar was the one who organized this hunt, uh, it it dawns on Adolin that Alakari is suspicious of them, which is not great. <laughs> so, but they they do get to kind of wrap that up. They're they're going to uh, th there's a bridge arriving. This is this is actually a a Sadius person run bridge crew, uh, though they're not actually running into battle this time. So at least there's not that part of it. Uh, but they are going to to get to continue the the way home. Uh, and Dalinar gets to uh, to do some more thinking. He gets to be a full horse girl. First, he yeah. gets to take care of his horse. <laughs> yeah. I wrote in my notes, uh, Dalinar POV, he's proud of Adolin. He's also proud of his horse. He's perhaps more proud of the horse, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. De Dalinar's emotional moments, this this uh, section, yells at Renarin to fuck off in the middle of a battle, says, Adolin, get your shit together around Sadius. Gallant. You deserve all of this extra food, and you will eat it. I love it. I love you. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, like I like this scene, and and like we've talked about uh, these these you know very special horses, these Reshadiums, uh, and Dalinar does have a, a high opinion of of Gallant, and you know he 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 tells the the grooms here, you know you're you're gonna give him treats tonight, uh, and the grooms are like, yeah, he doesn't eat them. Uh, and and Dalinar says he does when he deserves them, and tonight he deserves them. So very very proud of this horse. Give him two crisp melons, which I traded for by uh, bartering off some lamps for, that I looted from a lantress. <laughs> yeah, these, uh, what were they? They were sour melons. That's right, sour, sour melons. melons. Yeah. yeah, we we do not know if the crisp melons are in fact sour. Maybe they're the same fruit. <laughs> the adjective melon trade in the Cosmere is booming. <laughs> but uh yeah, it is uh it is time to uh time to head home. They're going they're going across a, a bridge crew bridge, and Dalinar is thinking about it. For one person in this damn army is thinking about the bridge crew. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, he, he says the the way that Sadius just goes through these people, how long is it going to be before, like, if they need more people, they're, they're, they're just going to run out of people. And it it's also telling for how much we love the Alethi elite. It's like, yeah, Dalinar's thinking of these guys. He's the only one. Quote, many probably deserved their punishment. 
Yeah. Like, that's how he views them. And we're like, great job, Dalinar. Yeah. Also, like, let's look in the middle here. Deserters, thieves, murderers. Okay. First and last on the list are foreigners and slaves. Yeah. Hmm. Problematic. It's not great. And uh, so let's let's philosophize about it. We'll uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll hear from uh, from the way of kings. Uh, I I mentioned to Beth in our our chat that uh, Delinar has been uh, slightly underselling how much he has been paying attention to this book. Uh, he can remember this entire passage uh, because he has he has paid a lot of attention to this book. Can't remember his wife though. <laughs> anyway well yeah you know the the details um it is a uh it is a story uh i think it's a little unclear at this point if this is an actual literal retelling of a thing that happens or if this is intended to be more of a parable of sorts uh but it's a it's a story of a uh, uh a man uh trying to carry this this enormous stone down the street uh, and he's he's you know not very healthy, and he doesn't even have much in terms of clothing. And he's trying to carry this this giant rock, uh, and everyone is staying out of his way because they don't want him to fall on them and hurt them. And then uh, the the writer of this text, who seems to be some sort of king, uh, was the one who actually stepped in and and helped him carry carry this load. And uh, there's some some analogies being drawn to the the kind of weight of leadership, and how, you know, the king may be the the one in charge, but they are also burdened by this enormous kingdom. So this is a beautiful passage. It, it's it is like really good. Like these allegories are very cool. Um, can I give my my one sentence summary of the passage? Sure. All right. One time, a shirtless dude was carrying a rock, and I helped him. The end. Nice. Yeah. That that version is a little quicker to remember. Yeah. I, I, I thought back on that one time. I, cu- I can't remember exactly what the passage was, but it was something about a shirtless guy and a rock. Maybe if Delinar had only listened to the Wave Kings a few times, maybe that's what he'd, he'd get from it. Uh, but... Uh... Yeah, no, he says he has listened to readings of it uh, almost every day the last few months. So this is uh, this is quite a, uh, a devotion here. And, and he says he, he found the, the quote that Gavilar left, uh, and there's no, no real answer there. Uh, so... But can you give more detail, Eleanor? Maybe we can figure it out. Yeah, that there's would be no nice. Time. We'll, we'll see. Uh, he does clarify, though, that uh, the book does not exactly have a uh, a good reputation. This is not a like widely cited religious text or anything like that. Uh, it it talks about the radiance, and uh, it it talks about some uh, some very contradictory things, like maybe even a uh, an inversion of the order between the light eyes and the dark eyes, and how mm. how. How unheard of would that be? But uh, as we as we close our chapter, uh, Dalinar gets to to draw a bit more of a parallel, looking back one more time uh, at these bridgemen, who, in a way, are quite literally 
carrying the king despite being the lowest of the kingdom and uh, and that's what we what we close our scene on it's a cool double meaning i like that that ending sentence yeah all right uh yeah we have uh, we've gotten back into uh the the main sections of the book themselves uh so we're not going to have the uh wild scattered casting of trying to go through the interludes uh most of these scenes were were people we'd seen before but we did uh add some new names to the list uh so we can uh we can go over our our normal casting procedure uh and then we can start to try to work through the things that we read here uh, so uh sam if you want to uh start us off with our list we can we can go ahead with that all right so I have two people that I didn't cast last time that I'm going to cast now. Okay. Uh, Adolin, uh, I'm going with Michael Provost. He was in uh, a movie that I just recently saw, and I also casted another role with another person who was in a movie that I just recently saw, and we're going to play What Movie Did Sam Recently See? <laughs> Ender's Game. It was Ender's Game. That's right. No. <laughs> You brought up um, Ben Kingsley an episode or two ago, so check that out. I did. Yeah. He was, uh, he was my Zeth. Let's see. Uh, Sadius I didn't cast. I'm going with fucking Jared Leto because he's easy to not like. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'll accomplish that. Um, I have a bunch of wrestlers. Hell yeah. All right. So are, are they for, uh, for Bridge 4? They are actually okay. exclusively for Bridge Four, so there you go. Cool. Let's uh, let's let's go down the list then. Okay, uh, Moash. Uh, I'm going with uh, a guy whose name is crazy, but the important part is uh, his nickname. Um, there's Tyler Sinerkia, I think that's how you pronounce it, who is Hook from AEW. If you Google like AEW Hook, you'll see who Sinerkia. he is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sigzil, I'm going with uh, Darius Martin, also from AEW. Um, Lighten, you know, I have a casting. I don't know if he's perfect for it because he's because of his persona. Um, but he's a wrestler who's tall and stout and has curly hair. Uh, MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. The problem is he plays a pompous rich guy, so maybe he's not perfect for a, a bridge man. <laughs> Not in the current situation. No, not quite. Um, and then Rock, uh, are there other giant wrestlers with red hair? I don't think so. It's just Sheamus. Sheamus is my guy. WWE Sheamus. Now, I don't think this would be a good casting for Rock. It is very funny that you're casting a bunch of wrestlers and you're like, who should play the character named Rock? Certainly not The Rock. No, he's bald. <laughs> it's true. The, the description we get, it would not fit, but it is still funny to me. Yeah. Well, he's bald now. I get it, like, but he had a uh, black hair, like yeah, back back in the um, what was it, the Nation of Domination era? If you want to see a really fucked up match, you should watch him and Mankind have an I Quit match, which was an insane ending, uh, because Mankind, the other wrestler. <clears throat> was legitimately unconscious and they had to play a recording of him saying I quit at the end of it. Uh, his hands 
got actually handcuffed behind his back, and he took actual chair shots to his actual face. <laughs> it's insane. WWF, when it was called that, was insane. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Vama. Let's do part two of what movie did Sam recently see? I'm going with Paul Giamatti. Holdovers. Um, yes. <laughs> Fucking great movie. I love Holdovers. I've great heard really movie. good things. Yeah. Um, can you name a balding man with a round face who is better at being indignant? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's really good. Yeah. He's very good at being indignant about his appearance, I guess. Um, and then I cast someone not from the list because he's named. So there. And we're going back to the Sam casts uh, people who are from horrible B-movies. Dunny, I'm casting Doug Stevenson from Iced. And guess what? Don't even bother Googling because they don't even have a goddamn picture of this guy. Which oh, makes dear. him perfect. <laughs> for for Dunny, who was barely described, which is why I didn't put him on the list this week. That's right. If he if he'll be on the list next week, then we'll we'll see. We'll we'll navigate that bridge as we come across it. Yeah, ah. bridge. I have to clarify, Sam. Do you know what this guy looks like? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. He was on on an episode of Best of the Worst, uh, Red Letter Media, with uh, Macaulay Culkin as a co-host. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my casting. Okay. Uh, and then, Caleb, we have uh, a similar list for you. Uh, is this the rare day where Sam casts uh, people that you didn't have, or did you also decide to add Dunny to your list? I do not have a Dunny yet. <gasps> ha! <laughs> because he wasn't described. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've got uh, I've I've got I've got a little bit of recasting. Keep I keep shuffling some of our main characters around. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna revisit Zeth mostly because I want to use the person I cast as Zeth for something else. Um, uh, I'm actually casting someone even older, even though Zeth is supposed to be. Described as at least looking somewhat young, but the person I am casting has a youthful energy at all times. I'm casting Tony Ja, um, star of Ong Bak, um, martial arts master. Uh, he's he's cool and he's he has youthful vibe to him, and he's very good at martial arts. So uh, yeah. Okay. Are um, all the rumors true about him? Are there? Oh, that's true. That's the. I have no idea what those rumors are, but that is the first result. If you Google Tony Jaws, a YouTube video All asking, are the rumors that. true? <laughs> <laughs> the rumor come out. <laughs> Does Tony Jaws gay? Yes. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no idea what rumors, but hey, I guess maybe watch that video to see if they're true, but maybe the video sucks. I don't know. I can't vet it. His um, Wikipedia page does not have a controversies tab, so I'm, yeah, okay. I'm counting that I think as a he's W. A chill guy. I'm wondering if the rumors are just like, does he do all of his own stunts? Which, to my oh, yeah. uh, understanding, is yeah, most of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's also shown up in in apparently Furious Seven and Expend Four Bowls. Um, Which who was he in Furious Seven? I believe I I actually I I knew you'd ask, so I did look it up. He's like generic he's like the leader of the generic henchmen he, he barely has any dialogue he fights oh. i think paul walker's character um he gets thrown down an elevator shaft nice 
I don't know. But I, I'll, I can double check what his character's name is. Kiet. Of course. Who is a member of a member of Jaconda's team who possesses great agility, athleticism, and fighting prowess. Are you on the Fast and Furious wiki or something? No, I'm looking at the official Wikipedia page of Furious Seven. They have they have uh, very yeah. detailed uh, <laughs> <laughs> descriptions of each of these characters. He worked for Jaiman Hansu's character, apparently. Who I, I didn't I, I also didn't know was in this movie. Anyways, that's beside the point. I initially had Louis Tan as Zeth. I'm moving him down to Moash just because okay. the physical description matched pretty well. Um, this is this is one of those things of like I'm casting some people I know and some people I don't know that well because I don't know how long Bridge Four is, uh, is going to actually last. But I assume they'll be here for at least a couple chapters. Um, so for Sigzil, I have Tohib Jimo, who is uh, famous uh, most recently for uh, being in Ted Lasso as everyone's favorite boy Sam. <gasps> um, as Leighton, I have Kevin Durand, not Kevin Durant, the basketball player, Kevin Durand, <laughs> the actor, fully don't know where I, where I know this guy from. I get, he, apparently he was in X-Men Origins. That's not why I came up with him. I don't remember why I came up with him, but him, it's, okay. it's going to be him. Um, <laughs> I have Taylor Wiley as Rock, who is an actor and sumo wrestler, a uh, big, strong guy. Um, and as Vama, I have Kenneth Choi, um, who I primarily know from, I think, being one of the teachers in the MCU, one of one of Spider-Man's teachers. <laughs> um, oh, wait, yeah, no, he plays the principal and also plays one of uh, Captain America's buddies in the first movie, and the implication is that uh, one of them is the descendant of the other. That's what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all I've got. I, I don't have a dunny. I've been outdone. I've been outdunnied. <laughs> Yay. I have a rare a first for this oh, yeah. book addition to my casting list, which is just me agreeing with my roommate who... <laughs> texted me out of the blue the other day and was like i think stephanie sue would be fun as sill and i think that she's right she has uh like seems kind of quirky manic pixie dream girl ish but secretly has some existential crises going on as portrayed in the musical be more chill <laughs> I was going to say, I, I accidentally terrified said roommate at one point because she told me this casting, but it was spoken aloud rather than over text. And so I heard the name Sill and my brain just said S-I-L-L. I did not at all connect to the character she was talking about. And I was like, I don't know if I've met that character yet. And the she was terrified that she had accidentally spoiled something. Oh. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, right, so Freya, yes, okay, yes, got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> Heard, Chef. All right. Yeah, that is uh, the, the first entry on the uh, the Bath casting list. Let's see, you you had uh, you had one for Elantris, but it was a cartoon character. <laughs> uh, two, one, and... You had a bunch in Final Empire. I think you then just kind of tailed off on that. I gave up. Wasn't one of them in, like, Hero of Ages, Griffin, McEl Griffin McElroy? Yes. Uh, you, you had him <laughs> as uh, Tensoon's weird body. 
Right, because it's described as, I, I, I don't know if it's described in book, but we all imagined it as being just like the average of a human. And <laughs> yeah. you brought up the, the quote of, uh, what is it, dragging all of the character creator options to one or something. Yeah, but they're all perfectly in the center. He's the platonic center, yeah. ideal of a of a man. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, looking at uh, at what we have now for uh, the Wave Kings, uh, we had some we had some progression here for for Kaladin. We've seen kind of where he's going to take this next. Uh, for uh, Dalinar's side of things, I don't know how much we have... We have some problems set up. I don't know if we yet really have a direction that these are going to go in. Uh, but we can try to figure that out. Uh, I would uh, I'd like to know, Sam, what you think we've uh, we've got on deck here. Mm, okay. Uh, I have a small and I have a big. Okay. I only have two, though. Uh, so my small, um, I think it would be kind of, a. I would, I would be curious to see where he'd go with it, I guess, but I think it'd be kind of boring if one of the high princes tried to assassinate Elokar. I, th I think the more interesting path to follow is just Elokar is losing his marvels because I think Mad King story arcs are less often done and more interesting than assassination schemes uh that said i do want sidious to be the culprit if he is because fuck that guy fair uh yeah he's a fucker uh and then my second one i was possessed by the spirit of caleb's past um because uh -oh. i because i perused which by the way doesn't mean to skim it means to it envelop yourself to in the read very carefully. Yes, I peruse the epigraphs. Um, well, the first ones, the first section. There's dates on all of them, mm -hmm. and then you look at the maps. The maps on page twenty are dated 1167 and are created by Gavilar's surveyors, and all of the epigraphs in the first part are from 1171 to 1173. The book proper starts five years after Zeth assassinates Gavilar, and 1167 plus 5 is 1172. So, that's interesting. Uh, what's the th connecting thread between them all? Um, I wrote down impressions on all of them. Most of them are like, okay, I don't know what this means yet. Um <laughs> This is this is like a weak impression of Caleb, I'm sorry. Uh but but chapter three, uh there is some sort of environmental disaster. A man on a cliffside watches his homeland crumble. And that's the chapter where Carbranth has the boulder in the conclave that fell suddenly because of the Everstorms. It doesn't say where it's from, the cliffside man, but I'd bet Carbranth Eh, maybe. Uh Chapter 5, directly about the Everstorm, date 1172, which is effectively right now. The Night of Sorrows, the True Desolation. Wow, that's cool. Chapter 6, a child asks why the High Storm hasn't passed. It's dated 1172, which is, again, pretty much now. It's because of the Everstorm, which is coming. Who cares about stupid bridges? We got a storm a-brewing. And then a bunch of others. 
so anyway, uh, what's the point? Oh wait, hold on. Chapter eleven too. Uh, it's also late. It's eleven seventy three. Uh, it's possibly after the Everstorm has passed, and holy shit, things are fucked in that one. Uh, I didn't write down why. <laughs> I don't remember, but they are. <laughs> so there. So what's the fucking point? The point is the Everstorm's coming. It's gonna fuck things up, kill a lot of people, lay waste to the land, and bring a second desolation or something in 1173, and it's 1172 right now, presumably. Unless Gavilar was like, he he ordered the surveys five years ago, or something. Um, Follow-up question, did Caleb ghostwrite this? No. If he did, then it would be much more interesting and better put together. So there. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I'm a, a big fan of both of your work, but I think that pointing vigorously at pushpins and saying, I don't know how the thread connects them is very Caleb. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how organized it seems like my thoughts are, but it's, they're not. <laughs> well, anyway, there you go. All the right. the, the Everstorms <laughs> are coming. Okay, so we have, uh, we have one question that hopefully we will find an answer out quite soon as Adolin does his investigation into the uh, assassination attempt question mark uh, and then one that uh, we may be waiting considerably longer for but will have uh, much higher consequence uh, if we see one way or the other I guess it depends on how long a year is though that's true because 1173 is like when the one where they talk about how fucked up everything is is so maybe it's localized fucked up. I don't know, but it's weird and interesting. Uh, I am going to answer a question. Uh, I I don't think this screws things up enough for it to be obnoxious that I'm answering it now, five episodes into uh, casting. Uh, Rosharan years are not the same length as Earth years, but they're close. They're very slightly longer. Um, so... Okay. Sam, to answer your question of we don't know how long a year is, it's about the same. Uh, but if anyone says how old they are on in Earth years, they're a little bit older than that. But yeah, we we then have potentially within uh, within a year or so something to something to see. Am I doing math right? They'd be younger, wouldn't they? If the year is longer, no. If they say they're twenty five, they would actually be yeah. No, nope. yeah, they have they have lived twenty five slightly longer years. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Funnily enough, a Rosharian year has m many more days, but the days are individually slightly shorter. So I think it works out to like 1.1. Interesting. So, but yeah, it, uh, in any case, that means that our, our timeline uh, is probably then imminent if, uh, if we're looking at uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 1173. All right. Uh, Caleb, you said you had uh, a little bit, plus perhaps something that got thrown in uh, as we were going. Well, I'd like to start off with a segment that I think I've done before, titled More Questions Than Answers, where I just, I connect no dots, I just point at all the dots. Okay. Um, so some bullet points where I don't have a theory for, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious, I'm trying to keep track of it all. Um, are we supposed to know, it, is it? Are, is there an answer to why Sill is different from other Spren? Um, 
Do we ever get an explanation for it? I don't know. I'd honestly be okay if we don't get an explanation, but it's been pointed out that like, yeah, she's not acting like a normal friend should. Um, she also mentions, I believe she saw Cal for the first time about a year ago, which sounds like it was pre-slavery, unless she's rounding up considerably. Um, so yeah, I'm curious when and why this started. Um, why can't Dalinar remember his wife? No clue. That's weird. Keeping an eye on that. Um, there's a certain kind of spren that fades off of great shell corpses and, and we don't even know what type of spren it is. And that is in addition to the laughter spren we learned about this episode. Just so many spren all over the place and some of them we don't even understand what they are. So I guess that's a question. What kind of spread is that? I don't know. Um, why did the Parshendi kill Gavilar? Um, it seems almost like they've been baited, or they have baited the Alephi to coming to the Shattered Plains. But also it's been five years, so if it was just a, hey, bring your entire army out here, and then we'll strike Alethkar when you're weak, they would have done that already. So I don't think that's the answer. Um, I have on my notes, I wish we knew anything about the Parshendi so I could theorize more, but I, I don't. Um, Gavilar was acting weird towards the end of his life. What was going on with him? Um, we know that he, he probably couldn't actually write. That's just, that, that's because they didn't know Zeth is the one who wrote it. Um, but Dalinar mentions that's one among many things that are strange about what was going on with Gavilar. Um, and... I'm curious, perhaps, if Gavilar was also hearing the same voices as Dalinar now is. He just hit it a little bit better, um, which would imply that... I, I don't think reincarnation is the, the correct word, but these heraldic voices seem to move from person to person as the person who's currently hearing them dies. Because um, we heard that, you know, the grandfather also seemed to have similar uh, effects. And then... Um, that went away for a while, and then Gavilar started acting weird, then he died, then Dalinar started hearing voices. Um, so, yeah, it seems like something that moves from person to person when the person who currently has it dies. Alright, now again, actual theories. Less questions. I guess there was kind of a theory in what's going on with the voices a little bit there. Um, but now we get to actual theories. Um, the, the new epigraphs of part two, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of like what could be going on here. One of them ends with comma, I should think, which is Sezed-esque, but it's not quite the same vocal tick that tick that ticked me off in Hero of Ages. Um, and also, the, the person he's writing to hates the letter writer and seems really annoyed with him, and you could never get annoyed with Sezed, so I don't think it's Sezed. Um, the author's giving me Hoid vibes. I, I, think, I think this might be a Hoid thing. We haven't really seen too much of Hoid out of disguise. Really, the only thing we get is the, the after word epigraph post-credit scene in Elantris. That that seems to be Hoid, personality-wise, Hoid stripped down to this is who I really am. Um, and I could see that Hoid writing this letter, even though we don't know anything about it. Um, a question about the saddle. Is there a chance it was not a murder attempt, but it was intentionally cut in order to keep Elhokar on edge. They, they, whoever's doing it wanted the fight to go slightly wrong. They don't want to kill Elhokar, but they want to continue making him paranoid intentionally. Um, if so, who? I don't know. I had the thought this episode of like, 
it'd be really interesting if it's wit if if the king's wit is trying to to muck about with things um and you know i'm i am going to double down on a previous theory of i do think hoyd is king's wit and it would be i think it would be hoyd-esque to not have a massive impact on the plot but i'll i'll throw in something to to realign things a little bit to how i think they should be going so i could easily see it being like oh yeah i'll i'll make i'll make sure elhokar is properly paranoid by just messing with things a little bit um motivation wise have no clue why i don't know i don't know what the wit's motivation is and i don't know what hoyd's motivation is and i doubly don't know what they are assuming they're the same person um okay i did already have the theory of was the way of kings written by king yezrian and if so when because what we know of heralds is they either die in battle or if they get lucky they survive but then they're still expected to go back to hell anyways um so it could be this was something that was written by yezrian after he had given up the blade and decided to to um forego the the oath pact but i don't know if it seems like he was going to kind of the implication to me felt like he was going to try and fade into obscurity a little bit maybe not though um maybe he did just become a king after that um in which case he would have plenty of time to write this book but yeah it seems like the life of a herald when you are actively being a herald doesn't have a lot of time for book writing um probably not so uh, yeah, I guess I guess maybe he might have become a king after he he gave up the oath pact. But um, yeah, yeah, I do think it was probably written by Ezria, and I'm curious about when and and how and why that all went down. Um, little ten foot putt theory that I'll get to find out very soon if it's correct. I'm really hoping the next chapter starts with Kaladin going. Why is Prince Dalinar looking at me and nodding towards me? What's why why is this happening? I really am hoping that Kaladin is part of this bridge crew and we get some uh connected dots here of storylines getting connected um uh just uh doubling back sorry my notes are out of order doubling back on the hoid thing um someone asks hey king's wit where were you and his response says i had things to be about which is a very normal and straightforward answer um so clearly something's going on with the king's wit and the, the thing that seems to make most sense of if it is if it's Hoyd. Um, so, the, yeah, that's why I'm doubling down on that. And then last thing that I came up with this time, it would be really cool, Brandon, if I'm right about the Ezra thing, it'd be really cool if every single book that's named, that the book is named after book those books, if each of them is written by a different herald. That would be super cool. Um, gonna be wild to see what Talonel's book is. Um, if that's the case, but that would be a very exciting, cool thing if that's what, uh, happens there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'd be cool and I hope it happens, but that's all I've got. All right. Yeah. I, uh, I second your, uh, your thought on, wouldn't it be interesting to see what, uh, what Talonel wrote? What's going on with Talonel, man? What's, what's he up to, man? What's he doing? It's probably bad. He's probably having a bad time. Probably. I, I think that's uh, something we can say pretty definitely. Uh, yeah, we've uh, we, we've got uh, into part two proper, and we're going to continue that in our next section. We're going to be doing another three chapters, 16, 17, and 18. 
which will include another uh, Kaladin flashback. So we'll get to see a little more of uh, of what led him to the point that's here. We can also tell from the page we left on, on 243, I can see through the page a little bit, and it looks like we might be getting an illustration or some type of cool thing on the next page. I'm excited to see what the hell that is, too. We do, in fact, have uh, another uh, another full page, uh, full page illustration there. Uh, but yeah, that will be uh, for next time. And when we have that episode available, it will be on alwaysanotherpodcast.com, as are all of our episodes. Uh, you can email us to talk to us at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. I've been getting some uh, some fun emails there that I'll I'll chat about when we get to the appropriate parts of the book. Uh, so I always appreciate that. Uh, in the meantime, you can also find us on our social media. That's Twitter at alwaysanotherpod, Instagram at alwaysanotherpod, uh, and Mastodon at alwaysanotherpod at kind.social. You can uh, see some... Uh, uh, what's the, the request for this episode? Is uh, Right, what movie was it that I'm re- trying to remember that scene from? We're, we'd we'd please, like please to help. Know. Please help. <laughs> We're dying. But yeah, until then, we will have uh, have some more book to get through and uh, see see if anything can change your mind on the Alethi nobility, or at least hopefully some of them. I'm here for Dalinar. I'll say I'll I'll for sure go to bat for Dalinar. Yeah, Dalinar's fine. Thaddeus, though, <laughs> what a fucker! What, what a fucker! Uh-huh. <laughs>